Would you stand with me one more time as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Mark, chapter 2. Book of Mark, chapter number 2. We're actually going to only read one little sentence of this, of this scripture, but it will get us going this morning. Amen. Mark, chapter number 2, and verse number Five. The first line says, when Jesus saw their faith. Say, Jesus saw their faith. Say, their faith. Jesus saw their faith. Father, I thank you for, once again, your incredible, your infallible, your miracle-working, life-changing word. Once again today, I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be upon the message Upon the messenger, Lord, today, give us ears to hear your word, but again, may we not just listen and hear, but may we put into practice what we hear today. All for your glory, we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Well, at the end of every year, I try to get alone with God and get direction for the church for the coming year. More often than not, God will give me direction, and more often than not, he will give me direction by giving me a specific word. The word that I believe God has given me for our church for this coming year is the word impact. Say impact. I'm declaring a year of impact for the Grace Place for the year 2018. Now, a definition of this word is the effect or influence made on another person or thing. Another definition would be to make a difference. How many of you could get excited about being part of a church that was effective and influential and was making a difference? Let me say that again. How many of you could get excited about being part of a church that was effective and influential and was making a difference? If the church is truly functioning as the church God ordained and the church that Jesus died for, it will do more than just hold church services and try to keep the saints happy. And I'm sad to say that so many churches today, literally all they are simply doing is opening the doors and having church. But I don't believe that is what God ordained the church to do and to be. In our text, it says about four men who had, who had carried their paralyzed friend to where Jesus was ministering. It says about them, when Jesus saw their faith. The combined faith and effort of these four men produced a miracle. Think about it this way this morning. They had a life-changing impact on this man's life. Can you, can you get excited this morning about the, about the prospect, about the opportunity, uh, amen, of having a life-changing impact upon people's lives? If the Grace Place experiences a year of impact, it will require the combined efforts and faith and cooperation of all leaders and members. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you are on board today? There are two areas, two areas where I believe God wants us to make an impact. These two areas are locally and globally. 
Now, we began talking about the first one last week, and I want to give a, a quick review uh, to remind you of what we said last week, but also there are many of, the, of you that are here this morning that were not here last week, so it'll get us all on the same page this morning. Well, last week, we talked about having a local impact. Now, let me remind you of what it will take for the church to have a local impact. First of all, inside our church, inside our church. Church, what will it take for, for there to be an impact? What, 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 what will it take for, for, for people's lives to be impacted, for people's lives to be changed because they've been in the house of God, because they've been within the four walls of the grace place? What will it, what will it take? Well, first of all, I believe it will take the saints praying and providing care to have a local impact. Inside our church, the saints will have to be praying and they will have to be providing care. Did you know that prayer is the most important ministry of the church? Out of all of the ministries that we can list, and all of them are important, but prayer, prayer is the most important ministry of the church, and yet it is the most neglected ministry. You would think that if something was the most important, you would think that, that the most energy would be put into it. You would think there would be the most cooperation. You'd think there'd be the most people involved. Prayer is the most important ministry of the church, and yet it is the most neglected ministry. See, see, see I could have a concert, and if I brought the right people in, I could have a concert, and I could pack the building. I can call a prayer meeting, and I can hold it in the smallest room in the church. Somebody say, amen, ouch, owe me something. (laughs) Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. How many believe that Jesus, when he said something, he meant something? Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. Of all of the things that Jesus could have called his house, I want you to notice that, that Jesus didn't call the church a house of worship. Is worship important? Absolutely, but Jesus didn't say my house will be called the house of worship. Jesus didn't say my house will be called the house of fellowship. How many believe fellowship is important? But Jesus didn't say my house is going to be a house of fellowship. Notice he didn't even say that my house will be called the house of preaching or the house of teaching. He didn't say my house is going to be called a house, a house of, of cool programming. All of these things are important. All of these things are important, but, but, but the most important of all must be the one that Jesus said. Jesus said, my house is going to be a house of prayer. If we're really the house that God wants us to be, then we are going to be a house of prayer. There's going to be the people of God that are going to be praying. See, you can draw a crowd and still not have much of an impact because an impact changes people's lives. See, I'm not just interested in having a bigger church than my friends. I'm not just interested in having more numbers this week than I had last week. I am interested in getting more people here for two reasons. First of all, because I want to see their lives changed. I want us to have an impact upon the people's lives. I also want a broader base so that we can draw from them and do more for the kingdom around the world. Write this down this morning. I think I gave it to you last week, but for those of you that were not here, we will only be as powerful in public as our prayer lives are in private. And the degree of impact we experience will be determined by the degree of our private prayer life. 
By the way, the church is open for prayer every Wednesday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. That's not the only time that our staff is praying. That's not the only time that I am praying, but we come together as a staff every Wednesday morning between 11 and noon, and we pray. Listen, this is open to everyone here, so if you can fit it into your schedule, come and spend some time. And if you can't, maybe sometime in between those times, you can spend some time in prayer wherever you are. But not only do we need the saints praying, we also need them providing care for one another. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says to share each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? How do we do the will of God? Galatians 6 and 2 says by sharing one another's burdens. In this way, Paul says, you fulfill the law of Christ. See, God's intention for the church was for it to be a community of believers. It was for the church to be a family. It was for the church to be a support group. At the Grace Place, we intentionally care for our people through what we call C-groups. Say C-groups. We break our members down into groups of five to seven family units, and these family units provide personal care for one another. See, a handful of people can't take care of 800 people, but if everyone is in a group, if everyone is in a group of about five to seven families, then every person in the church can receive personal care. Pastor Landon, wave at us. Pastor Landon is in charge of this vital ministry. If you're not in a C group and would like to be in a C group, see Pastor Landon. If you'd like more information about it, see Pastor Landon. If you would like to lead a C group eventually, see Pastor Landon. See, if the people inside these four walls are impacted this year, it will require the saints praying, and it will require the saints providing care for one another. It will also require, the second thing we talked about last week, it will require the scriptures proclaimed. The scriptures proclaimed. See, clever programming uh, won't impact people's lives. Uh, It will entertain them. It will amuse them. uh, It will uh, make the church appear to be successful. But on its own, it will not have any lasting effect. Now, hear me clearly this morning. I'm not against clever programming to to get people in the door. Listen, style and marketing and the way that we present our church, that is important. That is very, very, very important. But hear me this morning, that in and of itself is not enough. It might be enough to get people in the door, but we're not just trying to get people in the door. We want, once the people get in the door, we want them to have an impact. We want them to have an encounter. We want their life to be changed. So once they're inside the church, they need to hear a powerful presentation of God's word in both song and sermon. They need to experience true anointed worship that that gets their hearts prepared to hear the man of God stand and declare, thus saith the Lord. And the man of God must walk with God daily. He must be in tune with what the Spirit wants to say to this particular specific local assembly. In the book of the Revelation, the Bible tells us there, there are seven different churches that are addressed. In the book of the Revelation, seven distinct, seven different churches addressed. And I want you to notice as you read them, there were seven distinct letters with seven distinct messages written specifically to each church. I think that we need to pick up on that. I think we need to understand that. I think that there's something that we can learn there. 
Notice, notice there was not just one generic letter written and distributed to these seven churches. It was not one size fits all. Hear me this morning. There's nothing wrong with borrowing ideas from one another. There's nothing wrong with using someone else's material from time to time. But I believe with all of my heart that a pastor who continues to borrow his material will not have the impact that a pastor has who gets fresh manna daily as he gathers it himself. Amen. Through daily prayer and daily study and daily walking and talking and communing with God. Notice what Paul wrote to young Timothy, a young pastor, as he mentored him. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 through 4, Paul writes to young Timothy, and he says, preach the word. And then he tells him what to preach. He says, correct, rebuke, and encourage people with good teaching and preaching. Notice what the content of Timothy's preaching should include, according unto the apostle Paul. First of all, correction. How many know that the man of God ought to, ought to correct us from time to time? You ought to preach corrective messages. And then he said rebuke. And then he said encourage. See, see, true biblical preaching and teaching will make some people angry. Some people get up and walk out while I'm preaching and they're not going to the bathroom. Now, a dozen of them do that, but they come back. But every once in a while, and it's really not all that, you know, it happens more frequent than I'd like to admit that people get up and they walk out on me while I am preaching. Listen, listen, that just tells me I'm doing my job. True biblical preaching and teaching will make some people angry. It will make some people feel uncomfortable. Hey, who likes to be corrected? Who likes to be rebuked? Jesus said in John 8 and 32, he said, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Pastor, what is truth? Well, Jesus told us what truth is. Jesus said in John 17 and 17, he said, My word is truth. Listen, people will not be set free from their bondages by little self-help pep talks or politically correct sermonettes. Romans 3 and 4 says, let God be true and let every man be a liar. I say, let the man of God hide himself away and let him get a word from God and let him stand and declare that word delivered in love, absolutely, but let him deliver it boldly and let him deliver it without apology. Let him understand that his greatest responsibility is to please and obey God and not man. We're talking about the requirements for a local impact inside the church. There are three. The third one is a, the spirit-producing Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to me this morning. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, there will be no lasting impact. Listen, we need more than gifted speakers and talented singers and musicians. Listen, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You may say, Pastor, what is the anointing. And let me tell you, it's quite hard and difficult to give a definition to. And I can't exactly tell you what it is this morning. I I don't have some pat definition to give you this morning, but I will tell you that the anointing takes us to a whole new dimension. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit adding His touch and His presence and His power. Listen, I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit because without the anointing, the sermon dances around the perimeter and only affects the outer surface. With the anointing, the sermon morphs into a message. It penetrates the perimeter and cuts deep into the soul and the spirit. Only the anointed presentation of God's word can change a person from the inside out. 
Another definition of the word impact is the action of one object colliding with another. Oh, listen, listen, my prayer for 2018 is that we would have a head-on collision with the Holy Spirit this year. Amen. One that would awaken us out of our spiritual slumber and that would awaken inside of us a fresh desire and for intimacy with God the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit to have His way in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to have His way in my church. Listen, without the help of the Holy Spirit, Nothing of true value will help. Listen, we will have no impact without the moving and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. How many of you today desire to be part of a church that is experiencing a local impact inside our church? But not only do I believe God wants us to experience a local impact inside our church, but also, and in your notes now, and now we're starting today's message, a local impact Outside our church, John 4 and 35, Jesus said, open your eyes and look around you. The opportunity for ministry is everywhere. Now, that's my paraphrase, but it is very, very accurate. I want to give it to you again. Jesus said in John 4 and 35, open your eyes and look around you. The opportunity for ministry is everywhere. Now, I believe that our church is very effective in ministering to the people who come inside our church. I believe the people that actually come inside our church and give our church a chance. I believe that we are effective in ministering to the people on the four wall, in the four walls of our church. And we are very effective in partnering with ministries around the world that are literally impacting millions of people. Our struggle or weakness is our local impact in our community. Now, I must say that we have made some some real strides in this area the past couple of years, and, 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 and we are being very, very intentional to do much, much more in the near future. Our outreach director, Dahlia, wave at us, Dahlia. Our outreach director, Dahlia Burwise, and her team have been an incredible blessing in this area. Listen, listen, if you have a heart for local outreach, please see her. Also, let me give this commercial, that is, there's going to be an outreach interest meeting uh, this Thursday night at 7 o'clock in the youth room. So if you're interested in outreach, please be here Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Also see Dahlia after church and let her know you're going to be coming on Thursday night. Hey, if we make a significant local impact outside of our church in our community and in our neighboring communities, it's going to require three things. First of all, we must target the helpless. If we're going to have a local impact outside of our church, in our community, we're going to have to target the helpless. James chapter 1 and verse 27 says, True Christianity that is pure and pleasing to God is this. Is what? He says is this, to look after orphans in their distress. And Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. God has a heart for the helpless. Would you agree? And the most helpless group of people, and there's a lot of helpless people out there, but the most helpless group of people are the babies and the children that have either been abandoned by their parents or taken out of their parents' home because of abuse or neglect. Innocent, sweet, precious Children are being literally set up for failure by our society 
by parents who care more for their next fix or their next bottle or their, ne- or their relationship than they do for their very own flesh and blood. Babies are being discarded in dumpsters like yesterday's garbage. Toddlers and small children are dirty and hungry and, and even abused by, neglected, by, by neglecting or perverted or uncaring parents. The need for foster parents and adoptive parents and good quality children's homes is abundant. At the grace place, at the grace place, we are targeting the helpless. We are partnering with and supporting and getting involved with organizations that promote foster to adopt. We are supplying families that do foster kids with mattresses and other needed supplies. We also support a ministry on an ongoing basis that that takes foster kids in after they are too old to be in foster care. This ministry helps these kids get acclimated into society. These are kids that have literally been kicked out of their foster parents' homes after they become 18 and the state no longer gives their foster parents money to take care of them. And it's literally happening, literally happening, where 18-year-old kids that have been in the foster system are literally taken and literally let loose on the street. The state of Texas bases the number of prison cells they will need for the year based on the number of foster kids that are aging out of the system. Somebody needs to target the helpless. Thank you. Somebody needs to target the helpless. Grace Place will have an impact on the helpless, especially the orphan who is the most helpless of them all. I ask you this morning, who will help us make an impact on the helpless? Who will help us make an impact on the helpless? No wonder we're in the shape we're in. I don't want to be angry this morning. I don't want to be upset. But listen, come on. We We need to help. And you can do this in many, many ways. You can pray. You know, if I say amen, you're going to make me take foster kids in now. Couldn't do that if I wanted to. If you don't want them in your home, I don't want them in your home. That's the problem already. Listen, you can pray. You can give. You can open your home as a foster parent. You can adopt. Hey, you can, ba- you can babysit foster kids for foster parents in order to give them a break. What an incredible ministry. You may not have the heart or the ability or the, you you may not just not be able to get there. You just may not be able to open your home to foster kids on a regular basis. But what if you were able to open your home as a babysitter for a couple of hours once or twice a week so those people that have those foster kids that, you know, that is draining them, they can get a little bit of a break. What a ministry. Ministry is not just singing and preaching. See, Pastor Sean, for more information in this, our very own executive pastors are fostering to adopt two precious little guys, ages three and eight months. Hey, hey, these boys kind of like their pawpaw too. But not only are we going to target the helpless, but we're also going to target the hopeless. We're going to target the hopeless. In Luke 14 and 21, Jesus said, go to the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in the poor and bring in the crippled and bring in the blind and bring in the lame so that my house may be full. And James writes in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 1 through 9, he writes and he says, my brethren, 
Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of mercy, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly or into your church a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and the one that has the big bucks, and you say to him, hey, hey, you sit here in this good place, but you say to the poor man, hey, you stand over there, or hey, you sit here right behind my, by my feet. James says, if you've not shown partiality among yourselves, have you not become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich, do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Are they not the one that blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and you are convicted by the law as being a transgressor. Our mission statement at the Grace Place is caring people, caring for People, listen, we are intentional about creating an atmosphere of caring. That is my number one goal at the church, and that is to, 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 to create an atmosphere of caring. And let me tell you that we care for the down and out, but we also care for the up and out. We don't care if you're black, brown, or white, polka dot, or pinstripe. We don't care which side of the tracks you live on. We don't care how many zeros are in your salary. Let me tell you this morning, at the Grace Place, our arms are open to every color, every nationality, every generation. Listen, listen, we are, we are, we are open for the blue collar, the white collar, or ring around the collar. If we're going to make an impact in our local community, we will need to include targeting the hopeless. Here's the good news this morning. I've got good news, and that is Jesus can take the hopeless and make them hopeful. I want to say that again this morning. Jesus can take the hopeless and make them hopeful. Listen, listen, there's incredible potential in the hopeless. You say, why are we going to target the hopeless? Because there's incredible potential in the hopeless when Jesus takes the hopeless and turns their hopeless into hopeful. But not only are we going to target the helpless, not only are we going to target the hopeless, we will also target the hurting. Target the hurting. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to release captives, oh, he, to give sight to the blind, to set free these, oh, who have been bruised, beaten down, or crushed. Jesus also said in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 31, he said it is not the healthy that needs a doctor, but it is those who are sick. And here's what I've discovered, and that is people are hurting today. People are hurting today. Americans have been rightly labeled the walking wounded. Even the best saints today deal with some type of, of wound or hurt in their life or in the life of a friend or, or family member. Divorce, divorce has wounded a lot of adults and their children even more. Sexual abuse has caused deep wounds that affect people their entire life. Addictions, 
such as alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, and even food produce wounds that affect not only the addicted, but everyone they come in contact with and everyone that they are loved by. Oh, the list of hurts that I can mention today would just be in a, just a list that would just go on and on and on and on. Listen, I don't, know about, I don't know about you this morning. I don't know what your hurt is this morning. Listen, maybe you've been disappointed in a pastor. Maybe some, some, some leader in a church has hurt you. They've disappointed you. They've let you down. Maybe your mate has disappointed you. Maybe your mate has let you down in some way. I don't know for you. Maybe perhaps your kids have hurt you or they have walked away from everything that you taught them. You raised them to do good. You raised them to do right. You raised them to walk with God, but they've turned the other way and they've walked away. And not only have they walked away from God, but many of them have even walked away from their own family and their own parents. And you're hurting today. I don't know, maybe somebody that you love very dearly has recently died. Oh, and it has left a giant hole in your heart. Oh, here's what I've discovered this morning. When people are hurting, when people are hurting, they either run toward God or they run away from God. I said when people are hurting, they either turn toward God or they turn away from God. They either cry out for God or they cry against God. They either run toward God or they literally run away from Him. Oh, I believe that if we're going to have a local impact outside our church this year, we will need to keep our eyes and our ears open for the hurting. I believe if we will ask God to direct us to the hurting, he will place the hurting in our path. The truth of the matter is the hurting is already in your path. They're in that cubicle next to you. They're across the street. Amen. They're in line with you in the fast food. They're in line with you at the grocery store. The God has already put people in your life. It's just time for us to open our eyes and our ears and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be sensitive to those that are hurting. Not too long ago as I was going into a restaurant, I saw a young lady. She was sitting on the curb in front of that restaurant and her head was in her hands and her, on her knees and I stopped and I, and, and, and I asked this, little, this girl, this young lady about her situation and began to minister to her. Listen, listen, listen. If all we're going to do is just, just come to church and sing Kumbaya, if all we're going to do is just open the doors and tell everybody, y'all come, we got the best thing in town. We're going to be limited to the ministry that we have. But if we would come into the church and, and get what we need to get from God, but then go from the church and go and ask us, Lord, make me a missionary. Lord, make me your hands extended. Lord, make, let me be your voice. Let me be your ears, Lord. Let me be your hands. Lord, help me to go from this place and let me have my spiritual eyes and ears open. Let me be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You can, you can guide me and you can direct me to those that are hurting and I can minister to them. Say, oh, pastor, I'm not qualified. Oh, I wouldn't know what to say. Listen, sometimes all somebody needs is a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes all people need is just a squeeze on the shoulder. Sometimes all people need is a list, somebody that will listen to them. When we, come, when we cross paths with the hurting, We can offer them a shoulder to cry on. And we can point them to Jesus.